You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for Plano Pulse with your hosts, Jamie Jolly and Lamont Thomas. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office located in the Legacy Texas Business Center. I'm Jamie Jolly, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber of Commerce. And I'm Lamont Thomas, 2019 Board Chair of the Plano Chamber. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. Before we introduce you to our special guest, we'd like to take a moment to share a message from the sponsor of today's episode, Rose Food Service. Rose Food Service is a Plano-based small business offering commercial catering services. Their clients include City of Plano, Plano ISD, where they serve lunch to 400 children a day, and numerous businesses and organizations, including the Plano Chamber of Commerce. Steve Itasic, executive chef and owner, is a graduate of Leadership Plano and has sponsored the program for over a decade. Need catering service for your business, meetings, or social event? Get started by visiting rosecateringplano.com or call 469-443-0406. Just looking for a great lunch? Steve invites you to stop into his cafe inside Collin County Courthouse in McKinney. Thank you again to our great friends at Rose Food Service for sponsoring today's episode. We're excited to introduce you to today's special guest. She's not only an amazing community leader and the driving force behind one of Plano's great historic treasures, she's also one of my dear close friends. It's Malou Heitman, Executive Director of Heritage Farmstead Museum. Thanks for joining us today, Malou. Thank you for having me. It's, this is going to be fun. I've already warned Lamont that um, we're going to have a little bit of fun today. So, uh, Malou, obviously, let's just start with your name. That is a beautiful name, but it's very unique and different and unusual. So, we have to ask, what's the origin of your name? So, I, um, yes, I explain this probably every day of my <laughs> life. Um, Malou is a very Southern uh, name. A lot of people ask, is it Hawaiian? Is it something? I'm like, if you met me, (laughs) you would realize that I'm a a pretty Southern girl. So I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, there was a thing going around like Malin. You think of Steel Magnolias, things like that. Um, But my dad was also a musician and loved to sing. And uh, there was a song, Skip to Malou, My Darling. And he always said that's the reason my name was Malou. So uh, it's really a derivative of my Lou. It's not short for Mary Lou. It's on my birth birth certificate, M apostrophe L O U, and it's for Skip to Malou, my darling. So and, and the other <laughs> side of this is your sister. And my sister is also an M apostrophe uh, Malie. So Malie was named after a grandfather that passed away, who was named Lee. So they used Malie, and then my brother. Uh, lucked out and got John. I don't know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, you know, so we all had to spell and explain our name our whole life. And That's John got a pass. So. No M. John, huh? No, no. M. John, okay. no right. even though we like to call him that every once in a while. So, Malou, tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Sound like you had a fun childhood. Sure, yeah, I did. Uh, I actually grew up, my parents were Texans, and um, we were just living in Mississippi for a while when they, they had their kids. But um, every, we were living in Texas, um, 
really grew up in Garland in the Rowlett area. Um, and it was funny because I thought I lived way out in the country. I really <laughs> did. I, uh, I, we, my dad was a manager. We leased all of this property from the railroad and it was, it's now an industrial park, but it's, I grew up around Miller and Jupiter road and there was about 300 acres. Uh, and my dad managed about three horse stables, um, there but I grew up thinking that that was our land and that I yeah. lived there. We're going to live there forever. Um, there was a beautiful uh, old barn there uh, built in the early 1900s. Um, the house was a little more modern, but I grew up on a horse farm, really. Um, we sold, we weren't farmers um, as far as, um, you know, growing crops, but we did bale hay. We had coastal hay and sold that. But I grew up in the country. I really thought it was the country, but really probably a mile away was downtown Garland, um, yeah. you know, Plano, Richardson area, not too far away. Um, but just a really beautiful uh, place to grow up with ponds and creeks and horses and animals. And uh, and, and I was really heavily involved in 4-H and, and really just grew up um, a country girl, really. Um, and then had to grow up, go <laughs> to college, but I uh, went to high school, North Garland High School. Um, we eventually sold my dad, the railroad sold the land. And so it caused us to move from that area and uh, get a place in Rowlett. Um, and then I was in high school then and doing some different things, kind of got a, a little bit away from horses and, uh, and then went off to Baylor. So, and then my eyes really opened. There's a bigger world out here. Yeah. <laughs> and so, And yeah. you're a big, big Baylor fan. I yes. am. It's a family tradition. My yeah. dad, my brother, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, yep. we're all Baylor, Baylor family. Great. So. so we have some questions for you about Heritage <clears throat> Farmstead Museum, of course, and it is one of my favorite places in Plano. It is such a hidden gem and some of the events and the programs that you do there have really opened it up. It's been exciting. But um, before we dive into all that, can you give our listeners kind of a brief overview of the Farmstead's history and what visitors to the museum might expect? Sure. Um, it is so special. Uh, and it's it's a little glimpse into the past, um, Plano's early, early years. It was built in 1891 um, and was built by Hunter Farrell uh, for his wife and stepdaughter, Amy. Um, it's a beautiful, there's a beautiful Victorian home there. It's, it's a more affluent house than your typical farmhouse um, because he built, he was in the road construction and gravel business. So he was a, a businessman, so had, had outside business uh, interests. But beautiful property. It was 365 acres um, in its original day. It had beautiful barns and outbuildings and um, and so, you know, that, that property was live the same family lived in there all the way up to 72. Amy Wilson moved back and lived there. Um, but she really brought, um, a really neat prominence to the area. So Amy Wilson was in the sheep business and, uh, was a prominent sheep breeder. And at one time had 400 head of sheep, uh, there. Um, she was also a personality too. She was quite the personality, <laughs> which I think is another reason that I ended up there, uh, is that we share a lot of common interest in, in some ways. Now she, she loved the outdoors. She, uh, she, she moved back really and kind of reinvented herself as the shepherdess. Um, and I kind of have that feeling sometimes when I'm back on the farm that I'm reinventing or, or re really going back home and kind of becoming the person, you know, that I always was, was kind of a country girl. But uh, Amy Wilson was a character. She uh, she loved to drink 
whiskey and smoked cigars and <laughs> played poker and just was really a, a, a character. But she also was a no-nonsense person and a very strong, independent woman that, um, you know, could really, I mean, she was, she was wonderful in her industry, giving back to younger, uh, younger kids and the, but also a leader in the, and could hang with all of the, the head livestock, um, breeders and stock people. And I think anybody in Plano that's been around a long time, especially if you talk to the Haggards, Rodney Haggard, uh, just loved Amy Wilson and said her, his dad and Amy Wilson were great friends. And so she had great respect, um, from everybody in the community, but was just a, a really strong female force, uh, and so I, I connect to that. And a little bit about that that family story and the history there. What would you say is a, a book that if somebody was thinking about coming to the farmstead, what would be some good history to read up on? Sure. Like Plano in the early years? Early or? years is always everybody's favorite book, and, and I, I highly recommend that to anyone to keep that on your bookshelf, uh-huh. um, just because it's, there's always going to be some question come up about that. So Beautiful book written by some great family. Francis Wells um, did amazing research, but Carmen Haggard, the Haggards, everybody contributed that. But we also have a, a modern book. Uh, our curator uh, wrote a book called Never a Good Girl, uh, which is about Amy, and it gives you a brief. I mean, it's not a big book. It's about 50 pages. So if you want to know the history of the farmstead and the family and kind of dive into that a little bit more, I would come by the farmstead and, and get that um, or contact me and I'll get it get it to you. I, and also, I just want to talk a little bit about what happened after Amy died. And mm-hmm. so I don't know uh, if this is the right time or not. Yeah, okay. sure. <clears throat> so a little bit about the history, you know, we were talking about the history of the farmstead. And so Amy died in 72. And, uh, and the property at that time, um, her mom had left the property to orphanages. Um, Buckner was one of those. And at the time, I think or I think when her mom passed away and, and put that into the will, she thought it would be a place for children, maybe a home for wow. children. Uh, Amy had lost her son. There weren't any heirs, and, and it is a beautiful place for children. Um, and I, so I think she thought that that might happen. Um, but like a lot of um, nonprofits, I think they saw it as an endowment and sold it sold it off. So they sold uh, all the property to Hunt Properties. And uh, and so Hunt Properties was about to de- finish developing Pittman, uh, the Pittman neighborhood and, and was going to tear it down. And like a lot of great nonprofits, uh, a group of volunteers stood up and said, wait, 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 this this could be something great for the future, a great educational facility. Um, we could save this and show, you know, the kids of the future. Uh, what Plano was like. And the truth is, wow, what a great vision, you know, Mm -hmm. 40 years ago that they saw how quickly Plano was developing and that this would be a really amazing resource. So um, they formed the Plano Heritage Association, um, which was really made up of early farm families. I mean, the Haggards, the Carpenters, the Harringtons, all of those names you hear um, were part of this and, and really rallied. And, um, and talked uh, and and really helped negotiate the deal between the city of Plano and Hunt Properties. And so the city of Plano owns the land. Um, the, the Heritage Association um, has managed and operated the property um, since that time uh, for 40 years. And um, and I think they had a success. I That's, think their dream came true. Sure. So, so. 
all great information, Malou. Um, we have some more questions, and I know Lamont has a good one to kind of follow up on that the story about children and how to connect with today's generation. But first, we want to take a quick break for a message from our presenting sponsor at Plano Pulse, Legacy Texas. I want a commercial banker who really gets me. Scratch that. I want a commercial banker who really gets it done. At Legacy Texas, we get it. Really. You expect your banker to understand your needs. It's how they deliver on them that makes the difference. At Legacy Texas, we have the capital and experience you need to seize opportunities as they arise. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a CEO, you can count on us to get it done for you and your business. Legacy Texas. Change your mind about banks. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Malou Heitenen, Executive Director of Heritage Farmstead Museum, located right here in Plano at 15th Street in Custer. Thanks again for joining us today, Malou. It's my pleasure. So to follow up on what you were saying just before the break about making it relevant for future generations, how, would you, how are you doing that for today's generation and future generations as we look at more and more farming going away, uh, more high tech engagement, not a lot of interest in what historically what's been uh, the roots of Plano? Sure. Um, you know, we, it's interesting, you know, I, right when I started there, I thought about that too, like, wow, how am I going to, you know, do this? But the truth is, we don't really have to try. It is such an engaging place. I think it's, it's hard, it's not hard at all to engage kids in um, the early practices of Farmstead and, and how they all relate to all the science and technology mm-hmm. today. I mean, um, we immerse kids in it. I think anybody that's been over to the farm realizes once you get about 20 steps into the farmstead, um, pretty much everything goes away and you, you realize what a beautiful place it is. It comes alive with sights and smells and sounds and um, and immersing kids in history. You know, I think um, it's very important that history still stay part of our curriculum and important there. And I don't think um, anybody could deny that like the farmstead was your original source of business. You know, we're a, a big business community and, and, and really the farmer was one of the first businessmen in town, right? So he made his living off the land. Um, but we engage them too by, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, the animals are always the hook, right? Yes. People are like, animals! <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the truth is the animal, you know, it, it served so many purposes. Not only was it a work uh, animal, like the mule, and helped them plow the fields and, and everything, but it was also a food source. Uh, a, a lot of kids don't like to think of it as a food source, but the truth is it was, and I think you can always bring them into, you know, do you eat chicken? Do you eat eggs? <laughs> you, know, like, yeah. you know, and the, what was really neat, I think we just did an exhibit not too long ago that was really uh, great for kids. And it talked about the depression and sustainability and how the farmer um, really survived well during the depression because he could live off the land. Right. Mm-hmm. So he didn't he he grew his own food. Um, they were huge in water conservation, too. And I think that's a really big thing that everybody's kind of getting into as well. And um, the water came from creeks originally, um, wells, um, and to and then gutter systems. Our house uh, on the property has a really ornate gutter system that conserved water and, and held it in cisterns. And I think showing uh, kids how to conserve and how you know you can how industrious and innovative you can be with with natural elements is always a, a really big thing. Um, 
also electricity. I mean, we talk a lot about how they started out with candles and um, how it moved to kerosene and then how then kerosene turned into gasoline and mechanical. And I mean, you can follow that all that technology and, and show them the basics. And the truth is, they're not a lot of, it's not a lot different than it is today. You know, I mean, the, the mechanics are the same. So, you know, also food production. So, you know, a lot of people now are farm to table, you know, yes. they, yep. it's really hip. hip. Yeah. It's so <laughs> hip to be farm to table. You know, the farmers are like, oh my gosh, we've been doing this forever. <laughs> forever. So I think getting kids close to their food source again and showing them we have a really cool garden, a kitchen garden and um, showing them how you can do gardens at home and, and get closer to your food and natural food sources. Um, so I think it's it's refreshing to get back to the basics and really, um, you know, and science is involved in all of it too. Um, but we really believe, you know, that the history is really important. I think all of us, if you trace back, you know, a, a couple of generations, mine was a couple of generations, for these kids maybe four or five generations, we all have farming in our background. Yes. We all have somebody, our great, great grandparent was, you know, farming. My dad's parents grew, you know, cotton and sugar cane. And, um, and, and I think, you know, just touch, getting kids to realize that we're all, you know, farmers mm-hmm. um, in a way. And we all benefit. And we all benefit. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, um, I really think that the farmstead has um, been blessed since you've been there just because you have such a passion and you, it comes through in your conversation today. But you've also brought some fun. You have introduced <laughs> new people to the farm that have never been there before. Maybe they went in third grade on their you know normal tour that, that a lot of them do. But you've been able to introduce some unique and fun events. So talk a little bit about some of the programming. And for our listeners, what should they be checking out that would give them a good taste of the farm? Sure. Well, I think when I started, and and Jamie's right, I love to have fun. Um, (laughs) My mom said my middle name should be fun just because I'm always looking for a way to, to make it fun. And I think my staff knows and everybody that 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 has to be part of what we do um, just because we're an engaging uh, you know children and and lots of families and and everybody wants to have fun so sure. um, some of the the neat things I think right when I stepped onto the farmstead besides you know uh, the potential that it had to clean it up and make it really great um, was that I thought in, adults would enjoy you know a barbecue and and, and, and hearing bands and drinking beer and, you know, yeah. it just had that vibe to it. And so I created an event called Friends of the Farmstead, which kind of was one of our first event for adults. I mean, we really were just about the kids and, and we still are, are all about the kids. It's not saying it's not, but kids, you know, tours and, and everything, you know, the, you're, you've got the kids and they're $5 a person and you're not sure if their parents understand the significance of the farmstead or how important it is. And so... I'm like, let's bring their parents here and let them experience this and see what a great place it is. Um, And then also creating a source of revenue um, that we could charge a little bit more. You know, we're giving them an experience. And then while they're there, that they realize, wow, we need to save places like this. So so started out with kind of music and things like that. but we really made it a point to have adult programming and, and not just lecture series and things like that, which we also love to do. But um, we also started an adult egg hunt. Um, which just, is just <laughs> insane. I went to the it's first crazy. one and it was unbelievable. Yes. So we sell out in two days for the adult egg hunt and it is really all about fun and um, but has been a great fundraiser for our farmstead um, 
the museum, you know, just what an incredible event. Um, but about 400 people come at night um, with flashlights and Easter baskets. And they, it's they wear these only. headlamps. <laughs> and I mean, they are serious egg hunters. And there's wow. just little prizes in mm-hmm. the eggs. And so what's and... really great is we, we solicit um, uh, donations um, from all over the Plano community because we want to also encourage business and, 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 and for everybody to stay and play in Plano too. So we get restaurant coupons. Um, lots of people donate uh, different things so that, but every prize, every egg has a prize. And so you get something, um, but a lot of it is experiences and tickets to events and, 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 and ways that they can, um, you know, get back involved in the community. So it's just super fun and has... And you get to interact with the animals. <laughs> the and... animals are... Yes, uh, you, you can... Yes, um, there's no eggs hidden in the animal pits. <laughs> no, but... Uh, but they do like to uh, watch everybody run around yeah. their, their farm. And, yeah. Well, and so. I would say the Friends of the Farmstead, too, one of the things that my husband and I have gone almost every year, every I think year. we missed once, we were out of the country, but... Um, one of the things is that your programming is really great about bringing in local artists yes. and you bring in um, craft breweries and mm-hmm. um, uh, distilleries that are local in Texas. And so it's exposing people to things that are happening right here in our state and in our community. And I think that's a really fun thing. But it is it is a great event. So I applaud you for making that happen. Mm, it's been very fun. So. Sound like something Amy would have had. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's true. In the early days of Friends of the Farmstead, it, it ended up, we, we did have a poker room. Um, and we played, obviously, for prizes. Um, uh, and uh, But we, you know, it was called Miss Amy's Poker Room. And um, and we we always do a cheers and toast to Amy. Um so it's it's it is great, and that event is slowly raising money. We're bu- building a barn, uh, a new barn on the site, and uh, it's Amy Wilson's hay barn. And uh, so a lot of you know we are kind of trying to keep her spirit alive in all, everything we do. That's great. So Malou, I'm sure our listeners will want to know how do you make the transition from commercial real estate <laughs> to farm and museum management? Well, it is it, you know I, I get asked that a lot too. It is. One of those things, um, just quickly, I, you know, I went to Baylor, I managed, I, I got a degree in communications. Um, I never really thought I would end up back at, you know, do it on a farm and in museums, but I uh, went to work in commercial real estate um, through a friend, a friend, just had needed, I had a job available and I became a assistant property manager at Ola Padrita Mall, which is this old historic, cool it is a neat property. place. Yeah. And just well, I fell in love with it, but also had a knack for property management. And I uh, loved it and, and, and really worked 10 years in, in property management and leasing. Um, once Ola Padrita closed, I, I actually went off and did more commercial uh, real estate and, and then went into brokerage. Um, and, and it was through that experience, really 10 years in that, that I was exposed to the real estate council and, and all along, I kind of had an urging to get back involved in the community, serve in some way. And I think the real estate council for me opened so many doors and, and avenues to not only raising money and making money, but giving back money and and Mm -hmm. investing in your community. And I think the exposure to the foundation at the real estate council, um, you know, I saw the power of uh, putting resources and, and expertise and and vision together um, to make a big difference. And so I think Jamie and I can both tell you our experience yeah. there just really 
um, was amazing. That's where I met Jamie. And, and, and I think teamwork, you mm-hmm. know, I think when we look back at our team, we always can't believe like just the amazing team we had and, and the things that we got to experience. And, um, and I've brought that forward to, to, to what I'm doing now. But, um, so, so the transition to the farm, you know, it was funny. I was taking a break from the real estate council. I'd been there almost 10 years and wanted to do something new and I was home uh, just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, spending some time with my son. And uh, a friend of ours, another friend from the Real Estate Council, sent me a, a, the job at the farm. And she said, you might know some, do you know anybody that might be interested in this? And we and had already exchanged emails and said that Melissa this was is the, the perfect <laughs> person for this job. But go ahead. And so I read the uh, I read the job description and I just kept reading it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I can do all these things. And I was like, is this? For me, and then I thought, well, I'm going to go interview. I got to see what this is all about and and what this job is. And I can't even tell you how quickly and fast and it all happened. And and I I kept telling them because I am not a museum person by trade. Um, But it just it it was one of those things that uh, it just everything fell into place. I knew I had the skills um, and the passion. And once I saw the farmstead, I knew um, just from things I had learned through property management and, and, and the real estate council that I could make a difference there. And, and Plano uh, has and continues to benefit from that decision. Yeah, <laughs> it's been great. Well, and I would say, uh, as a friend, we've benefited from the funny stories from the farm. It's always great to go to happy hour with Malou because she'll tell you about some mule incident. and um, It's very unique. We don't have any of those stories here at the That's chamber. So um, real quick, because we're wrapping up, but what would you say? say one sentence one word uh best part of working at the farmstead oh for sure the people i mean it's a toss-up between the people and the animals but yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) all right and um it does look like we're out of time as you can tell there's a lot of passion there for the farm and we do appreciate your time it's been great to sit down and kind of chat with you today and learn more about you and what brought you to plano uh, we also want to give special thanks to Legacy Texas for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse. Speaking of sponsors, we are currently seeking episode sponsors for future installments of Plano Pulse. Contact us at the Chamber for more information on how to get your business in front of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think, share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. 